seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 112 of Color of Magic, your magic and gaming podcast where we talk about all types of things affecting people at their tables and away from their computers as well. I am your host, Daquan Watson, as usual, and for 112 surprising episodes, still have my same dude in tow, Brian Allen. How's it going, man? <laughs> Why does it sound like a stay for a commercial? Things are going to go surprisingly well. <laughs> Really, the quad from State Farm? <laughs> it's uh, well, how do you say? Oh, it's called service. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> what's up, man? How are things going down there in Texas? Oh, pretty good. We are Christmas Central. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I that's the one thing I will say, man. Like down south, like people start doing Christmas like mid November. Like they can't wait to get to Christmas down there. And my wife starts listening to the music in August. She just just loves everything holiday related. So yeah, that. like pe- people can't wait. Uh, we got we just got you know people put up their their Christmas lights and whatever. But most people, even in my neighborhood, most people waited till like the weekend after Thanksgiving. So everybody did their family things, and then we kind of saw lights going up on like Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and uh, now now we're kind of in full swing Christmas around here. My, my daughter can understand, you know, why I don't get as hype about Christmas, for example, as the kids do. And it hits different when you're an adult. It costs Ooh. you money when you're just an about adult. To say that. It comes with a price tag. That's why. Yeah. As a kid, it's all. Now, obviously, you know, the kids like will save up a couple of their dollars and go get each other some fun gifts. Yeah, but it's not the whole. It's you know, nothing close to the whole dynamic is when you're an adult. Like, oh, did this person get me a gift? I didn't get them anything. Now I gotta go get them uh, a gift dude, card. I, I'm gonna admit, I can't. Ooh, though, I, I know some of y'all listening right now are like, uh, when somebody gets me a gift, I gotta go get them something, whatever. No, you don't. You don't. Like, when I go get people stuff, I generally don't expect anything. It's not like it's nice, but like, I, I'm not gonna be mad. Like, I made the decision to surprise you with the thing. I'm not trying to stress you out. And have you go every which way to try to find me something like I just want to do something nice for you because I know you needed it and I was able to provide it. That's all. And I get that. I absolutely get that. But it's just, you know, I guess it's part of just, you know, just I was probably programmed with that by moms and grandmas and and now my wife. And That's fair. That's fair. I'll also say, too, one of the things for me that's tough with the holidays is really the work involved. Because when it's like, oh, okay, we want to bust out the decorations, we want to put lights on the house, we want to put this in the yard, whatever. And then it's like, at some point, I got to also undo all this. And that's only going to be like a month from now. (laughs) right? So, like, do I want to put all this work in to, like, in three and a half weeks, go take it all back apart? You know, I'm just like, uh, but some people love that. You know, same thing with Halloween, you know, some of these other things that people just love decorating for. So I don't I don't begrudge anybody. Like if it's your jam, go for it. I know some people have turned into a whole family activity. Mm-hmm. You know, but for me, I'm just like, ah, you know, I can I can put a Christmas tree up. I'll, let's put the Christmas tree in the window and then people can see the lights from the outside. <laughs> yeah, you know, like that's where I'm at. 
And to me, there's got to be tasteful limits on how many lights you got. If I can see your house from the highway, that's too much. Oh, no. See, I'm the opposite. Like, if you want to go all out and you want to have, like, the lights that dance to the Christmas music and do all that, go for it. I'm hype. I'll watch it. But I sure as hell ain't going to set it up. (laughs) Yeah. I I just think about the poor people that live on either side of that person. That's fair. That's fair. Oh, man. All right. Before we get into the rest of the show, let's pay some bills because we need to give some love to our folks over at Cardsphere.com. A great a great group of people. Honestly, they support a lot of people in the magic community, you know, a lot, especially a lot of the smaller creators. You know, give credit where it's due because it's easy for people to come along and support people that are already doing well or have huge, you know, 50,000, 100,000 viewer platforms or whatever. But a lot of the people they've supported are starting out. They're small. You know, they're growing maybe a couple hundred folks or whatever. And they're, they're still putting putting their money behind them. So, you know, go show them some love because they're trying to help grow the community. And that's important. So go over and check out cardsphere.com. Set up an account and go buy some cards at the price you want and sell them at the price you want. Also, if you want to support the show, you can go over to patreon.com slash color of magic. And we have to give a shout out to somebody this week this is somebody who's been supporting us since june of last year so they're they're more than a year and a half in just about an og basically yeah just about but they go by spearfish hs game club so i'm assuming that's their high school game club that they uh get to help support us through them so that's kind of cool so let's give some love to them for being a long time supporter at this point And as we've started doing, if you're at the $5 level plus, you're eligible for some giveaways. So those will be coming. Uh, I'll be drawing those over the weekend and hopefully mailing stuff out on Saturday or first thing Monday. And then we'll announce those on the show next week. And finally, if you'd like to get something for yourself and support the show, head over to colorofmtg.com slash shop where you can get some tokens with our likenesses on them or even some play mats. And if you run into us eventually in the future at some event, we will gladly sign those for you. So, you know, you can have, and it's a good way to lower the value, but we will do it. Hey, it's a good way to support the show by just having them. So you can show them off. Uh, Each of the tokens, I think we have the show info on the back as well. If you need to share those with people. So we have really, really appreciate all the love and support people have shown us so far. Cause you know, this journey has been something else, man. It really has been, but Let's get into some uh, nitty gritty this week because we have a couple of things to touch on and uh, then some interesting news for sure. But this one, this is one for me to, I like, y'all can't see it, but I'm shaking my finger at, at Wizards of the Coast <laughs> right now. And this is, this is a very annoying thing because from a, it's an annoying thing from the perspective of a player, a business owner, a content creator and just a fan really but this weekend they have i believe four events all scheduled for this weekend they've got uh, a pro level event i believe that people had qualified for they have the arena open which i believe is draft format they also have i think some type of magic online championship i don't remember which which one it is And then at retail stores, physical stores, they have store championship events this weekend. This is frustrating as a player because you can't really participate in multiple things. 
Like you might be interested in supporting both platforms or multiple platforms or your local store and arena or doing something with your friends and then playing something during your downtime or whatever, right? There's a bunch of ways you could possibly interact with the game or the product or whatever, but you're being denied that. You have to pick and choose when there's no reason to. Like you can't even enjoy watching the pro level play happen because you might be actually at your local store playing a thing. Like, that doesn't make sense. From from a business owner perspective, it's a very bad decision because now my store championships stand to have lower attendance because some number of my players will be playing the Arena Open or the Magic Online Championship. Is I mean, I, I guess I'm going to respectfully disagree. Sure. And usually, and usually we don't jump into each other's soapboxes, but this is where I'm fine with this. I feel like, you know, to, to me, like Magic Online, Magic Arena are almost like Coke and Pepsi, where I feel like I know so many people that only play Magic Online and think Arena is the damn devil, but, and vice versa. But there's people I know that are going to be going to a modern arena open or modern store championship and not getting to play the online Magic Online event. But if those were on different weekends, they would do both. And then, as a content creator, we can't really do good reviews and follow through or even do co-streams or anything when all the events are happening at the same time. Yeah. Like, if I choose to do a fun story with my local store, maybe doing their first event in, gosh, damn, like a year and a half or something, almost two years. And even if it is just going to be a little eight or 10 person event or whatever, and people are going to show out, like, I can't go there, set up and do that story and then still co-stream and do a fun, full-fledged story or something with my online community, or even play the arena open and get the most out of streaming it or whatever, unless I want to do it at like a really late hour or something. And like it, it's just like, why? Like the I, the the only the only explanation I have is that maybe there's some a limited number of people that need to be there for support if something breaks, you know, triage the servers or something. And they're just trying to make sure they can do it all at the same time instead of spreading that team out over like four weekends or three weekends or whatever they feel they need to do. But that feels like such a small upside compared to like you're you're setting your floor very low by doing that, basically, as opposed to what you could get out of the ceiling on the other side. Like I, would you, say, mm-hmm. I think my explanation is that I think Magic has just grown to the point where the brand is so big that it's like it's like the NBA or the NFL, where you know obviously the NBA has let's say up to twelve games going on at once. You obviously can't watch or attend all of them, but they they're just there are that many people that want to interact with it where none of these things are going to be empty. And by the same token, I think each store championship will have. I'm sure Wizards has clicked some numbers and said there'll be. X number of people at each store championship. Some of these people will watch the pro stuff. Some of them don't but watch see, pro things and don't but care. I, but I don't think that's necessarily the same because one, I see a lot of people griping about it. I see stores griping about it. I see players griping about it. The other is when you're talking about NFL games or NBA games, those are in different cities. Like they're not accessible to me. Well, hell, even on TV, they only show you like two games, right? So I only have access to a couple of them. 
Unless I'm like, you know, fancy streaming or doing something illegal. Yeah, on the, the, side. the NBA says for an extra $200, you can watch any of them you want. <laughs> but the thing is, I just physically can't do all the things for Magic, even though they are all accessible to me. And now you could you, you go to the store championship. You can't watch the pro coverage live, but I mean, it, it's going to be online forever. You can watch it technically anytime you want to. But and see, and that's the other business part, right? Like if I go to a store and let's say the store decides to air or stream the event so people can still watch it and be at the store. Well, now Wizard is getting one view for those 10, 12, 16 people or whatever that are there. Some stores are going to have way more than that. Whereas if that's set aside time so they can just watch it at home while it's live and they can interact with it, you're going to get way more engagement and you're getting way more eyeballs. So they're even hurting their own numbers for either promotional purposes, for ad revenue, for all that stuff by having that on the same day. But now I feel like I got to use your own words against you, Nicole. Because when we talk about, you know, Wizards changes the way they do pro stuff, as, as we've both agreed, the casual stuff is way more important. Something like 80 to 90% of the player base has never watched a pro event. Sure. Has, has no desire to. Don't care that it exists. But you don't get to increase that at all when you but make can, moves if, like if, this. The, if they don't care, how can you increase it? Like if they don't, if they have no desire to know who you know, Paulo or Brian Kibler or insert any Magic Pro here is. If they don't care, can, can you make them care? If they just have zero interest in pro play, is there anything you can do? Yes, but this isn't one of those steps. Like you're you're stopping it from ever happening, and I think that's part of it. Is like you're not even giving yourself the opportunity by doing this. And that that's the frustrating part. Now, I don't ever now, and the other thing too, to some extent as well, is because even if we want to use that as an example, then why schedule the arena open on the same weekend as the store championships? Like now you're competing with your own semi-competitive, semi-casual player base that would be going to a store to do a thing. Some they're going to choose one or the other because your choices. Otherwise are you can go to the store, play till five or six o'clock, come home and then play a late night, three, four hours of arena. A lot of people aren't going to do that. Yeah. Just too much time away from family or whatever right. else. They, they're going to choose their activity for the day effectively. And it's like, why? Like those could have easily been on opposite. You could have, you could have two weeks ago, put one of those events there. Then if you really want to, take Thanksgiving off. Even though it's just a U.S. holiday or whatever, fine. Take that weekend off. Then you could have done this weekend, done something. Put two things there if you want to. Maybe put the Arena and the Magic Online thing, because a lot of people don't play both. If we believe that, fine, no conflict, right? And then put your pro thing or whatever, store championship, whatever you want. Flip those weekends. Just make that next week. You, you clear Christmas, you clear Thanksgiving, you have a big event by the end of the year, you make all your stores and players happy, boom. Like, easy enough to schedule. But this isn't the first time they've done that. This is like at least the third of recent memory I can think of where there's been three, four events scheduled on the same weekend. And I just don't understand the logic to it. Except for, like I said, if for whatever reason you don't have enough people you think can tend to the servers or the problems or whatever live if there's something and you don't want to work those people three weekends in a row or four weekends in a row. But if that's the case, just hire two more damn people and put them in the rotation 
And then somebody works two weekends, the other two people or three people work the other two weekends or whatever. We've all done it at different jobs. This also is the shortest month in terms of the last week is unusable. You can't schedule anything. Really, the last week and a half or just nobody. Sure, but that's what I'm saying. We could have started the week before Thanksgiving. Right. We didn't we didn't have to do it all in December. There was literally no events for like. What, nine weeks, (laughs) like except Mm -hmm. for maybe pre-release. Like we could have easily put some of these events somewhere else. And that's been the argument each time this has happened is we have chunks of the calendar with nothing major happening. Of course, what was it two weeks ago was Vegas, so you couldn't have done it that weekend. Sure, but that's I mean, you totally, I totally you could have, but you'd be in, be in the same situation where you'd be... No, you wouldn't. Coverage. You know why? Because Vegas didn't even have coverage for whatever godforsaken reason. So, like, you would have probably been okay. But <laughs> uh, now, when did Wizards know that is the thing? Like, they probably didn't, wouldn't have known that until... You know, oh, no, we knew. We all oh. knew. So, we knew at least a month out, probably longer. So, once we... Because people started asking immediately, like, hey, is there going to be coverage? Who's going to be on coverage or whatever? And they were like, no, we don't have coverage. And that was after we found out Star City didn't have coverage. So, then it became, like, its own community story. So, yeah, I just don't know. Like, I... like, I honestly feel like, as a player, give your players more opportunities. Right? No need to stack up everything they could possibly do all on the same weekend. Like, just making them choose just feels bad. Like, honestly... It's almost even worse if they do one of the things and then they do poorly and they're like, I know I should have chose to do the other thing now. Whereas you could do poorly and then be like, well, you know what? I got this other thing I could tackle next weekend. And then, like I said, as a store, it's like, okay, some number of players are not going to come participate in this because they're doing something else. Like, why is that on the same week? Even even Wizards themselves went out of their way. This is the first time they're doing promos stamped with the information of the store so you get cool unique things from the store you played it like they even went through their effort to make special things which is awesome but you're making it more difficult on people to even give those away like why and then like i said as a content creator having more events spread out just gives you more to consume more to record more to talk about like and as a promotional thing for wizards, that's one of the best things you could have going. You get a bunch of advertising you don't pay for. <laughs> like seriously, yeah. literally, you get these hundreds of creators out here going to their local stores doing coverage, talking about their cool promos they got or whatever. You know, doing simulcast or restreams of of the pro coverage or whatever. Like all these things they could be doing, and you don't have to pay a dime for it. Like, why take that away from yourself? Like, it just feels like an awful business decision. And like I said, the only logical thing I have has a simple solution. Just pay two more people on that team and put them in rotation on a weekend. Give them a day off during the week. Let them work on the weekend on the day that there's a problem or whatever, potential problems, and call it good. It's not that difficult. Like, and honestly, whatever you pay those two people it's probably worth all the free advertising you're going to get from all the other stuff happening. <laughs> like probably worth it. But I don't know. I've ran in too much. I got to, I got to step off and let you have an opportunity here, man. Well, not- it, it, it wasn't just you. I jumped in. So which, as I said, we don't ordinarily do, but that was a good debate. We're not going to get enough of the show done. If we stick on this. True. Topic. True. <laughs>
All right, what do you got, man? Mine won't be as long because we just talked about this on the pre-show. We're basically in agreement. If you've seen any of those uh, live before studio audiences things that they've been doing, where it's basically a a, a redo of a classic episode, I believe they've done All in the Family, The Jeffersons with today's actors, and they're doing it again, and they're doing the uh, Different Strokes and Different Strokes famous spinoff, The Facts of Life, which everybody loved those shows. That was cool. Yeah, they're great. Thing is, the casting this time is a little weird. For example, for Different Strokes, Kevin Hart is playing Arnold Drummond, apparently. Uh, like, I mean... And yeah, it's a, been a meme that, like, yes, Kevin Hart, Gary Coleman, probably close to the same height. Yeah, I, I get it. I've seen yeah, the jokes. So like, yeah, I could at least run with that a little bit. Yeah, but that, that'll be funny for maybe four or five minutes, you know. But then Facts of Life, they're doing the same thing. And, well, not, I was not casting anybody because they're short, but they're casting adult actresses as the teenagers on Facts For example, Gabrielle Union is playing Tootie. Yeah, see, that's weird. Yeah, that's Jennifer Aniston is going to be Blair Warner. And I guess that's kind of an inside joke because apparently uh, Lisa Welchel auditioned for Jennifer Aniston's part on Friends. So I guess that's another meme come to life but still this just feels weird to me because when they've done it before i think of jb fox for example george erickson that's actually a perfect cast in terms yeah, of the yeah. age range and you know the actor jb fox was great uh woody harrelson i believe was archie bunker again that's a perfect cast yeah woody harrelson has played you know similar characters and countless and i thought both of those were excellent by the way this one just and again, I love all these actors and actresses. This just feels like a miscast. I think my my issue is that it could have been a good opportunity to raise the profile of some like you, teens to young adults exactly. that, are, How that many... are known but kind of coming up and give them yeah. like their first really big shot alongside one or two big name actors would have been pretty good. You know, so that, that feels a little weird. Yeah, this... And that's absolutely is what I wish they had done. There are so many talented young actors and actresses in Hollywood. I understand you got to have a couple of names to sell the show to people, but to me, like, okay, having Kevin Hart has done that. You can, you know, bring in all the, although I will say, I believe John Lithgow is going to be Mr. Drummond and I can't wait to see that. That's actually really good. That's probably going to be perfect. Yeah, I can't even hate on that. Like, that dude's really good. Yeah, I've never seen John Lithgow in anything where it's like, oh, I wish it had been anybody else. By the way, I'm going to tell people, like, to interject here, if you you have not seen Lithgow really acting, there's two things you need to watch. There's a movie he did with Denzel years ago, I think called Ricochet. Yes. He's really, he plays, like, the crazy, like, like obsessed ex-criminal or whatever in that thing. Like, Great, great. And then I think it was season three of Dexter. Yes, I was like, going to mention that. Those two things, if you question, like, because you probably used to watching Lithgow on like Third Rock from the Sun and yep. he's this funny older guy, whatever. Like, go watch those two things and look at the range that dude has being believable in each of those roles. Right. It's insane. Robin Williams was also somebody that could do that, where he could be Mork from Ork, that he'd also do insomnia and be a, a crazy, you know, serial killer type. So it's, it's amazing to see. You know, not every comedian can do it. For example, if you cast Kevin Hart as a serial killer, I'm going to have a hard no, time believing it. No, but yeah. Lithgow, yeah, he nails it, whatever he's in. So I'm excited to see that at least. But yeah, I'm with you. You know, like if you wanted to really meme it up, should have just had The Rock play Willis, you know, <laughs> like so you could just get. 
Dwayne Johnson and, and Kevin Hart just going at each other for like 35 minutes, like would have been funny. But The Rock would love to do it, but God, his calendar is just... Oh, I know. He's, he probably <laughs> no has no time to sleep. But yeah, I don't know. It's a weird thing. You know, I always look at that and saying like we, it makes sense, like you're saying, to use a big name to promote something. But at the same time, if you have the opportunity to raise the stock of an, not necessarily an unknown, but somebody that's on the come up and really get them in front of people, like that's a perfect time to do that. And then you build a person really, to be honest, an asset that you can use for the next five, 10 years now that you help build their stock. So yeah, that's a tough one. I'll be interested to see what the what the reviews and stuff are on those when they're done. But anyway, moving forward, you know the drill. We have a bunch of stuff going on all the time. We're always learning about weird crap. So we're going to use this as a time to share it. So what did you learn this week, Brian? You know, this is what, one of the great cases of somebody creating their own competition. I learned a little bit about the history of m&ms on on the history channel and apparently uh one of the guys that uh one of the m's uh muni i believe his last name was he was uh working at the hershey company and when milton hershey finally retired he kind of just assumed he would get the reins passed to him and hershey told him no we're going another way so he ended up looking for another opportunity and uh, a guy named mars came to him with chocolate covered in candy coating so it didn't melt and M&M's, the rest is history. So he kind of created his own left and white, right Twix? <laughs> yeah. Had he, you know, had he just given the reins over to the guy that everybody thought was going to inherit the reins, M&M's probably don't happen. And, of course, that's one of the other Mars. I was one of the other biggest candy companies in the business. And Man, they literally always... even used Hershey's chocolate as part of the deal to cover the M&M's. So he really... There's he so many himself. things in life that are like that, that you yeah. find out just like weird points in time could have changed, practically changed history on, on a whole category. Yeah. Halo was going to be on the, the Macintosh at one point as an exclusive. And that would have Xbox, but Microsoft, as we know, it might've never existed without. Well, Halo. I've told people before, like Halo, I think is a good example of timing, right? I think if, and really a lot of it comes down to, they debuted right around the time that, the average home was getting high-speed internet. Uh-huh. And I was like, if they were six months sooner or even six months later, it would have probably been a different game that became the big game. But I remember people being excited because they're like, dude, we can actually play like a LAN, but from our own house. We don't have to go like hook up things or whatever. And like, that's all people did. People were rocking Halo, you know, four hours a night you know, right. like on the regular. So like, that's literally it. I think and timing is such a big deal. So I I totally get it. Now yeah, mine got is a great one. <laughs> you, you mine is a little more uh, dire. And this came up because I believe, and this is a thing I knew about, but I didn't realize how many people didn't know this was a thing. But I guess because I have friends and family that are zookeepers and I've watched a bunch of animal things and whatever. But I guess somebody shared this on TikTok. But basically people didn't know that baboons are kind of jerks and not in the way you think. Cause people think <laughs> that like, you know, monkeys poop in their hand, throw it yeah. at people at the zoo or whatever. Right. That but, is jerky behavior, <laughs> but no, this is actually way worse. So what they do is as a species, they have developed calls over the years for like warning signs. So if they see certain types of predators, they'll make a sound, say like a wild, large cat or, you know, predator of some kind, we'll call it a jaguar or a lion. They'll make a sound, 
all the baboons get off the ground, up into the trees, hide, you know, make sure they're safe. Well, nature being nature, other animals have learned to understand this, right? They hear a certain sound from the baboons. They're like, oh, crap, there's a big cat coming. Let me go the other way, right? Well, the baboons are also aware that the other animals know their calls. <laughs> and this is where it gets dire. But like, they actually look around, and if they see that none of their folks are in danger, and they see the predator coming up on, say, like, some young antelopes or something, they're just like, all right, cool, I ain't gonna say nothing. <laughs> because their logic is, if the cats are full, they're not gonna chase us. And I'm like, as jerky as that is, that's kind of smart, and they're not wrong. That That's next level <laughs> third dimensional chess right there. Exactly. I'm like, it's kind of cold-blooded, but, you know, damn nature, you scary. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, that's that, that Princess Bride, you know, you, you would have put the poison in front of you, or you'd be there the baboons. Or, yeah, or for real. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of a crazy thing. But, yeah, there's a lot of wild stories like that in nature that I don't think people really know that – you look at an animal and go, oh, you're funny or you're cute and blah, blah. And then, like, you realize the things they do to survive are not pretty. Man. Animal yeah. Planet and those kind of shows, like, you can you can mean to watch one show and four hours later, you spent the entire night watching Nature. Really. Oh, dude, I will tell you, when when the Planet Earth series came out, was right around the time people were getting, like, these these new crystal clear vision TVs and, you know, not quite 4K stuff, but whatever it was before that. like and it just looks so beautiful. But there were times you would watch some very sad and violent things in very beautiful television. <laughs> but all right, let's get to our magic news because we're about halfway through and we have a lot of things to cover and talk about. So this week we got the, I guess we'll call it the official announcement because we saw it mentioned a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago when they did their like, hey, here's all the stuff coming for magic. But uh, Magic Unfinity is going to be the next unset. And that's actually pretty interesting in the sense that the theme this time is Space Carnival, I guess is the way to describe it. Lots of bright colors, quirky things with performances and whatever, and the whole thing is set in space. Well, with that, we get a couple of very interesting things. And I kind of be interested to know your takes on all these, Brian, because I already did a video on it. Feel free to go to my YouTube channel and see it. But... First off, let's let's talk about the big issue that I think people are discussing is that not all the cards, well, none of the cards are going to be Silver Border. And Silver Border has been usually the indication of these came from an unset. You can't play these in regular constructed formats. They're mostly just for draft or the occasional like commander group that allows people to play with them. This time, what they've decided is cards that are within the normal rules will be able to be played in other formats and cards that are too quirky. You, you most of the like dexterity stuff and weird things will remain unset only, I guess is how you would describe that stuff. Cash. Like I think, I think chaos confetti is probably the best example yeah, of the card. That, that would be something like that. You can't play with, but the way they're notating these is there will be a water acorn watermark on the cards you can't play with. And then on the rares and mythics of the cards you can't use, they will have an acorn stamp or shape stamp as opposed to the normal oval stamp you get on the rares and mythics. So 
I guess my question to you is, how do you feel about this? And does that change anything for you on the overall view of this set? It it definitely does for me because, you know, the, the these started coming out before I was playing Magic a whole lot. And I always felt like, you know, hey, the new uh the the new uh fun set is out and people would, you know, they they'd open a bunch of packs that first week and then seem seemed after about two weeks, yeah, nobody wanted to play with them anymore. And your experience may have been different at your store. No, I think that's about right. You know, and I think to me, that's what makes the most sense from Wizards' perspective is this now becomes a set that people might want for the long term. You know, that if there's even, I don't expect there to be a lot, but let's say there's even five or six playable rares. They don't have to be like outstanding rares, but five or six playable rares and maybe one or two playable mythics, like that could push. Yeah, if you get that, that's quite a bit. That's going to put it on par with most sets. If you got, you know, five good rares and a couple of good mythics. Yeah, especially if you're talking about for like modern or legacy or something, right? So that that is pretty interesting. I have to admit, like that could be pretty exciting. And I don't, I don't know if that's going to make them. I guess they'd be legal for even uh, pioneer. I guess I'd have to figure out. I don't know where that falls in the legality of stuff. I didn't really look that up, but. The fact that more people will want it or can use it is pretty neat. And for the record, the justification from Rosewater that he posted was that previously cards that had like dice rolling mechanics or whatever wouldn't be a thing. But we've now done D&D where we had clearly some dice rolling mechanics. So now it's like, does it make sense for a card that says like roll a D6, get a thing to have to only be in an unset? Like, why could you not play it in, say, your D&D set? That says every time you roll X or you roll a D20 or whatever. Like, it's kind of a cool way for those decks to get some support because, to be honest, that mechanic kind of sucked and we didn't do anything with it. I was about to say, I think they had always worried that a mechanic like that would do something that broke the game. And now they've got enough data to where, no, it's not even a good mechanic in terms of being competitive. So it broke nothing. I mean, I literally tried to make three, four different decks with it, and that mechanic was not playable. But you know, I did. You know, anytime yeah. there's a, there's a goofy random mechanic, I tried it. Yes, yeah, and I'm not thing. even I saying, just... by the way, tournament viable. I make a lot of things that I tell people like, yeah. you can play this on the ladder, not in tournament. Like the dice rolling thing was not even viable for ladder play of any kind. Barely, yeah, it... barely even won a couple of games in just the open play queue on arena it wasn't even as much goofy fun as i thought it would be just in terms of you know hey look at look at me rolling all these stupid dice it just uh, i didn't enjoy it nearly as much as i thought i was going to so yeah i would definitely love to see it get some more support yeah it was just bad so that's this is a good way where you can open up support for some different things that maybe didn't go as well or maybe you're like ah you know in hindsight if we would have had two more cards that maybe did this or that here's a set you could toss some quirky stuff into and get away with it which is pretty neat now, another thing we saw was cool basics from this. And they're doing two sets of basics. So you will get two of each basic land type for 10 total. But one set of five were images of the surface of these planets that represent the lands. And then the other five were the wide shots of the planets themselves representing each color. And... I guess some people might feel some kind of way about it, you know, because it's not fantasy and blah, blah, whatever. But and when you think about it, the planeswalkers basically portal walk or teleport to different worlds anyway. So, like, eh, you know, yeah, make that a bit what you will. Could, could be considered science fiction, depending exactly. on who's writing the lore. 
That's what I'm saying. Make of it what you will. But I thought they looked beautiful. I don't know how much I would play with them because we have infinite full art lands at this point that you can pick from. But they were really cool looking. Like, I might actually try to get... I don't know how you felt about it, but the fact that they had space imagery did not bother me at all. I mean, you know, I'm somebody that likes to be very, I guess, uh, creative <laughs> with my deck building. So the fact that I that there's going to be so many different kind of lands or even, you know, even the... the Basically, even, you know, the forest or the islands or whatever you have can look completely different from the way somebody else's deck looks. I love that. Yeah, I do. I One of the things I like about this stuff, as long as it still is framed, like I have a bigger problem with some of the secret layer frames that just look nothing like a magic card or even like some of the like stuff we did with the D&D set where they look like old D&D not modules and stuff. Like, I don't hate them, but, like, that's more of a far enough departure that it doesn't look like a magic card, even in the way that the text is structured or whatever. So that kind of bugs me in a way, only because I think there's times people might miss some key text or something because they're not used to reading it that way. But when it comes to just an image of just, say, like a planet, I think it's cool. I think if there's somebody who's interested in that style or maybe they're a Star Trek fan or a Star Wars fan or something or whatever... It's at least one more step closer to getting that person engaged with the product. So I don't have a problem. Also, we do have 40K commander decks coming next year. It's like, it would be cool to have like planetary lands in your 40K deck. I'm just saying. That's kind of a cool little little tandem there. I don't even know. Maybe, maybe those get more popular because people do want to do that when their 40K stuff comes out. So that could be kind of cool. And, and 40K then five, is another license where, to me, like, the magic exists in the universe. I don't have a problem with it existing in a magic-based card game. Yeah. And there's definitely plenty of magic in 40K. And I will say this, too. Like, 40K even has some interesting crossover, right? Because you could do some human-based stuff because it's kind of humans versus the other races, right? So you could have some human mechanics. Exactly. You have orcs. That could be a thing. There's undead so if you want to make some of them out to be zombies because there's chaos which is yep. basically you know their equivalent so there's there's some fun things you could do uh, i think there's a, a lot of interesting things you could do there and granted it's only going to be for a commander set so it's not like you're getting a whole set of it but you know i think it could fit in and then the big thing too we got to talk about in this set is they're taking all 10 of the shock lands and doing those with space artwork on them and they looked great i i honestly like even if you don't like the fact that the shocklands are going to have space artwork the artwork that itself independently all looked very good it was super interesting stuff and it started going around twitter that somehow i got credited for this i guess because i mentioned it in my video but I don't know if I was the first one to say it or not. I'm assuming I'm not because I feel like this is a case where like news happened and then a bunch of comedians made the same joke and then you're arguing like who got it first or whatever. But I suggested that we should call these space shock lands Spock lands. Because we try to name the lands so we can tell what they are by each set or what grouping they belong to easily. And this is just like their space lands and their shock lands and calling them Spock lands is double cute because of Star Trek. So we're going with Spock lands because it's logical. I was you about know. to make the logical <laughs> reference. So, <yep. laughs> but seriously though, like, it, like 
it's such a cool thing. Now, I will say they are going to be hard to get. They said there's going to be one per 24 pack. So basically one per box. Uh, I believe the same thing for the collector's boosters, one per box. And then you will be able to get one in 24 of those the way they wrote it will also be some type of special galactic foil or some some special foiling that they're doing. So the foil versions of those could be very expensive. And then I believe you're also supposed to get a non-foil box topper with each box that you buy. So you're going to be guaranteed at least one just for purchasing the box. And then there'll be one per however many packs, 24 packs in the box. So you should be getting roughly two per box that you open. So that's actually pretty good. So there'll be a good number of those out in the world. You know, basically every box is going to produce at least two that go into circulation. Now, we always need more shock lands. People like having those for commander or whatever. Downside is these will not be the most common of the shock lands, but there will be more of them available. So if nothing else, maybe it pushes down the price of the regular versions. But yeah, I don't know, dude. Like I I saw somebody argue, and I say arguing, somebody was concerned on, on my one of my uh, YouTube comments about they wish they wouldn't do this with the promotion of the Shocklands. They should just make more available. But to me, and don't get me wrong, I, I do get that people want more of them available and all that. Same thing with like Fetchlands, but we just got a bunch of them in, uh, what was it, Modern Horizons 2. But there's a thing of reprint equity that if Wizards wants to release reprint sets or have something like this set to help it sell or whatever, you kind of need to have some pool of cards you can go to to keep people interested or give value to the set or whatever if you don't know how well it will be received or not. So you don't want to blow up all your reprint equity. But at the same time, they are going to end up putting what I'm going to guess is several 10,000 more of these each of these lands or whatever out into the world because you're going to get a couple per box, you know, whatever else. So I don't know. I, I It will drive some prices down, but I do think these will probably be the most valuable of the Shocklands uh, for a while. But I, I don't know. They're cool to me. I will probably try to get some of them and very least get enough to fill out some commander decks or something. We, I don't we know how you feel the, about it. We made the Spock reference sound like you probably need a, a Ferengi reference in here. This is gonna be, we're going to need the rules of acquisition to come up with some of these cards probably. Yeah, we but I'm excited about it. A new rules of acquisition. Don't blow up all your reprint equity. Right. There you go. That sound that actually sounds very rules of acquisition like. Exactly. I mean, that's a that's a real thing. And I know people don't like hearing that, but I mean, for an example, we had that for a long time with the the Liliana and the Tarmogoyf that kept getting reprinted, right? Because they were worth a hundred dollars, eighty dollars, whatever. Now goifs are like, I don't know, 30 bucks or something. And the Liliana's down to like 70-ish. So they've lost a lot of their reprint equity. They're still valuable, so you can still use them, but they're not going to be as hot at pushing a product. So you slowly have to find the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And it comes, you know, it's why you make powerful cards. So two or three years from now, you can reprint some of them and get people interested again, right? Well, they still need them. It's just part of doing business. It sucks. Don't get me wrong, but that that's, this is actually one of those times I say like, it's a business practice that makes sense. Because That's why it has been co-opted by everybody from yeah. board, board game video. My, I was talking to, talking to Tish about Madden, and she she's like, "You just keep the, the the card mode. It sounds like the same thing every year. You buy these cards." 
to to win the games. Then the game comes out, and you got to buy all these same players that you bought last year again. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly how it works. Yeah. We understand how it works, and then I make YouTube videos about it. This has been this has been how this works. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. It it does work, and more proof to that is if these weren't as sought after, we wouldn't be as hyped about them. You know what I mean? We wouldn't be talking about Infinity and going like, dude, you see those sweet Spock lands and blah, blah, blah. Like, he'd be like, oh, that's cool. There's some fetch or shock lands coming, but, you know, they have space artwork. All right. But they're going to be like 10 bucks, right? Like, you can get these now and know like, oh, man, each one of these I get might be like 25 bucks. And if I get the foil weird galaxy whatever thing, I don't know what those could be worth. They could be a ton, <laughs> possibly. If they're, if they're as rare as they, I hope that, if that wasn't a typo. And it's as rare as they say they're going to be. Those could be very valuable. So people are definitely going to be hyped about it. So I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. But let's move on to our next couple of topics here. This is more of just a quick reminder that one, Ultra Pro, awesome people if you need some supplies. And I know that they recently had a uh store whatever you call a, a shipping container show up that had some stuff so a bunch of stuff got restocked on their site if you need supplies i know some people have been light on sleeves some people have been light on top loaders now's the time to get stuff however whether you get stuff from ultra pro or anywhere even if it's just personal things that you want to get holiday shopping whatever do it now because there's going to be supply issues there's going to be price hikes there's going to be shipping issues we've been encountering it all year that's not going to change because it's the holidays matter of fact it's probably going to be worse yeah it's going to change even, just not in the way you want yeah i would even say if you have kids and you're looking to get like a, a popular children's toy or whatever don't wait because honestly i think once you get about hell what's the day the first if you get to past the 10th you're probably going to have a hard time finding a lot of stuff. And if you do, it's probably going to be three, four, five times the value. If you get past the 10th, you just got to sit down and be like, sorry, kids, y'all on the naughty list. Because <laughs> here's the thing. Like, we've already seen that they're still having issues getting some of the stuff shipped from some of the ports and whatever out, out of Asia. And we know a lot of these cards, or I mean, not cards, but products are produced in China, in Taiwan, in Malaysia. And, you know, like, it's a thing. It's been a thing all years. Like, and even and there was a point even with Ultra Pro, if you went through, they had a bunch of stuff that was out of stock. And they were excited because just magically some stuff got released from one of the the, I guess, whatever you call the shipping vessels. And they got a couple of containers that showed up. So that was great. But again, don't know how long that's going to last because you have people that have been waiting to buy stuff. So, yeah, just a general PSA of do your shopping now rather than later, because you're going to save yourself stress you're going to save yourself time you're going to save yourself money uh this next one brian is something that's just really i guess that the community found interesting that uh, i think we had a different view on than the rest of the community but for those you who don't know there's a secret layer that's up right now and uh let me double check I, i'm not sure i think it's up for another few days because i think this is one that has a long one because I think they've been trying to extend the dates of the secret layer. So it's not so much like a FOMO issue. Yeah, this one's up for nearly a month. Because I think it's why it's like 20 days left. But this latest one includes a bunch of stuff for Arcane. And if you don't know what Arcane is, it's an animated series on Netflix that's put up by Riot, who creates League of Legends. And that's what Arcane is based on. 
Now, that's important because Riot also makes and owns Runeterra, which the average Magic player seems to view as a big competitor to Arena. And they were kind of asking, like, well, why do you think they would work with Riot when they're making a product that competes with them or whatever? And I tried to explain to people, like, first off, they knew about this, I'm assuming, at least three, four, five months ago. So that's how they were able to commission artwork for this stuff and probably get all the right pictures and, you know, make sure it passed all the licensing checks with Riot and all that stuff, right? All that stuff had to happen before we even got to this promotion. So they knew for a few months already. The other is that, and I can tell you even from having worked with the Coast, like around the company and to a lesser extent Hasbro, they don't view it as just a card game. They view the magic experience as an entertainment product. And it's not just about, hey, how do we get you to play a card game? It's how do we get more of your entertainment dollars? So that means sometimes you do promotions with other companies and other brands or whatever that they're moving to start doing because it expands your reach, right? People aren't always only going to play magic or not always only going to play Terra. Sometimes they're going to want to break and they're going to try something else. And it's like, okay, cool. At least you, if you have a working relationship or something with those business partners, there's a chance you get more advertising opportunity with their stuff. And me and you talked about this off the air. Let's be honest. If you read between the lines, this is a pretty smart plan because Wizards and Netflix also have the Magic the Gathering series coming out next year. So if you get people who like Arcane, which by then I'm assuming will be close to probably Arcane Season 2, you know they already like animated stuff. They already like fantasy products. They already probably like some type of card game or strategy-based stuff if they like Riot products. And if they want to use those things, they now own Magic cards and maybe sometime during the next year have picked up playing Magic. We saw that happen with other licenses like... uh, the Walking Dead. We saw several people say, oh, my cousin, my friend, my sister, whatever, picked up or wanted to learn more about magic so they could play with their favorite cards or whatever. So if that translates, you now have a built-in audience that checks all the boxes when magic goes live on Netflix. Now, it may only be, let's call it a 5% increase over the number of viewers you already get, but that could be a big number of people. Right. If the viewership, let's say, was going to be, I don't know, 10 million views or whatever for Magic. okay, cool. We just increased that to 12 million by doing this promotion and you made money on it. So even if it doesn't result in any more views, you're making plenty of money off this still. And that's the bottom line. At this point, they're not thinking Magic versus Terra. They're thinking DC versus Marvel. That's the level they're on at this point. And DC and Marvel cross over things all the time. Even though they're supposed to be competitors. You don't necessarily see it in movies, but you're right. There's been a lot of books that have been, you know, like Thor versus Superman type stuff or whatever. Yeah. And that's just the official stuff they do in. I think there's a line in the the latest movie Eternals where somebody says, hey, this guy's like Superman. You know, they do that kind of stuff. It's just thrown in all the time. Yeah. So I, I think this is a good move. You know, I think this is how you should use licenses. Now, maybe, and I don't know this to be true, I'm just speculating here, just taking a shot, but who's to say that now that Forbidden Door is open and you get a Chandra 
in team fight tactics. Or you get a team of planeswalkers you can play as a promotion for a month in League of Legends. I would be down with that. Like you know what I'm saying? Like that means like this this relationship being open could possibly mean down the road there's opportunity for a cool crossover in one of their games. Not saying it's going to happen, but it means at least it's there. Those conversations have started. You've opened up the lines of communication. You're sharing some finances because I'm sure they had to pay for the license or room Terra folks are going to get like a percentage of this or whatever. But yeah, it's there. So I, I, mean, I as think you said, we're, we're seeing them do the walking dead, stranger things. And I'm telling you, if you, if for some reason you haven't had a chance to check out arcane yet, as y'all know, I, I, I watch and read all the nerdy things. Our arcane is top 10 for me this year. I've heard the same from other people and I haven't I'm, watched it yet. So I'm, I'm not talking, I'm not talking my top now. 10 favorite animes, my top 10 favorite. I'm talking about this is one of the 10 things I enjoyed the most. My wife, who could not care less about anything League of Legends related, binge watched pretty much the entire thing with the Saturday night. And and let's also say this, right? Like I've talked about it on here before. Like I've pretty much walked away from the League of Legends community entirely. <laughs> you have you have like i play team fight tactics because i still enjoyed the characters and i think riot yeah, is hadn't talked to anybody fine as a company but they had no interest in touching league of legends or the score story stuff in there again but now you have a product that i'm like well you know let me check that out and now i'm gonna get some magic stuff that's also promoting your things like that's a good move for riot as well like it's a good way to get people to re-engage with their brand. They're reaching other nerds that also already play a lot of the type of games that they're promoting. You're like, this is good for both halves. So I, I get that people look and say like, oh, but they're a competitor. Why are they doing this and blah? But it's like, man, you're thinking on level one. Like both of these companies are looking and going, hey, you got people that I would like to have access to. I have people you would like to have access to. Let's Let's make something work here. Because at the end of the day, neither fans of either company or their products are going to magically just leave for the other one. That's just not going to be a thing. Like we even had a couple months back where everybody was like, Oh, Rune Terra, this it's so good in their economy and blah F arena, but, and, and now everything's back to the way it was, you know, same thing. Flesh and blood is going to be the thing. And they've got a pro tour and blah, blah. And now everything's back to the way it was <laughs> right it's just not a thing like we can we can believe it's gonna be as long as you want to but it's really just not a thing we've seen that over and over it's just not now you might have blips where like one of you know people are like oh man there's all this new innistrad stuff i'm gonna go play some arena then it's like oh look there's a new expansion for rune terra i'm gonna go play that for a while or there's a new hearthstone thing i'm gonna go play that for a while right because it was like oh hearthstone battlegrounds i'm gonna go play that and then you know people quit playing it after like 30 days or whatever but that's just the way it is. So if each company can get more money, but also expand their reach by doing it, great. I think that's more companies should do it. I've, I've argued before even game stores should all work with each other. I think anytime I've seen some compete, it's actually been bad for both companies and for the customers because you're almost forced into like, I don't know, like your parents are getting a divorce and you have to pick yeah. a side. You know what I mean? Like that's why. You can enjoy both things from both companies. And as people realize that, I think it's better for everyone. So, Brian, remember, I guess it was only about two weeks ago we were talking about the dislike button going away on YouTube. Well, it turns out 
that happened. It's been that way for, I don't know, the better part of a week now or so. And uh, not much seems to have changed. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed it on your videos or not, but I went and looked at my analytics just the other day because I'm like, hmm, let me go see how far back I could think where I started seeing the dislike button appear. The one thing I will say is I have a higher percentage of videos that stayed at 100%. Not a lot. It's only like two more videos. But even the ones that aren't 100% are still at like 97 or 98%. So realistically, not much has changed with my stuff other than I had a couple more videos not get a dislike on them. But and I'm not I've really... seen pretty much the same thing. Yeah, and I'm not sure what that means. Does it mean that like some people were only hitting the dislike button to make sure that like you saw there was a dislike here? You know, like, I absolutely <laughs> believe that's a thing. Like, hey, you need to do better. Look at this. Same way people, you know, use bad Yelp reviews as a threat. Yeah, like, I don't know. Maybe it's like, well, you didn't win 100% of your game, so this shouldn't be a 100% video. Or like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, something those, like that. Those jerk faces. <laughs> I hate people that do that in their Hall of Fame voting, as I believe we've discussed out here before. Yeah, that's gross. But, yeah, I don't know. I I think that's a good thing because i like we said before like if you see dislikes i'd rather people tell me what they didn't like so i can so it's actionable you know and if people are less motivated to just hit a button and maybe at least leave a comment now maybe that makes a difference and if they were just trolling to just dislike for some dumb reason and now they don't like hitting the dislike button that's also fine too because it's like oh, okay so our viewers actually do like a lot of what i'm doing Instead of just like the weird one-off person just being the, the one of, you know? Social media warps human behavior in so many ways. It is unreal. You're not wrong. You know, that's that's why I find this all to be an interesting experiment that they're doing. For example, the, the movie itself is, is pretty much terrible, but there is a, a scene in uh, the, the, vac the uh, National Lampoon Vacation remake where uh, where one character is showing somebody their vacation photos and they're upset because the person doesn't like them. Like, no, I told you I liked them, but you didn't like them on Facebook where people, but I'm sitting next to you telling you I like your photos. Like, I don't care about that. I want you to like them. I could see that being a real conversation, sadly. Right. <laughs> one of the writers probably had that conversation or watched somebody have that conversation. That's one where I can't even say, like, that's so dumb. I'm like, nah, people are probably having that conversation right now. We make YouTube videos, so we get it, <laughs> sadly. Yep. Absolutely. So, yeah, I just thought it was worth bringing up because we talked about it as a topic. And now that it's in action, it seems to be doing what it was intended to do. Like, it's discouraged the people who were just clicking for the sake of clicking it. And at least in our cases, you know, and... Otherwise, the content seems to be largely unaffected. So I would take that as a win for YouTube. Like you're getting cleaner data and it hasn't really in any way negatively impacted anything for your creators or for the platform. So, yeah, thumbs up for that. I think that's uh, the best outcome you could hope for when making an actual, I guess, I don't know, systemic change to your ecosystem in some way <laughs> wow <laughs> all right <laughs> i mean it is though. Carl Sagan. Thank i you. mean it is though that's what it is i mean it's yeah. a way people have interacted with it since nearly the beginning and you've changed it up you know you don't know what totally is going to happen but it it seems to have been fine and then this is something 
I kind of want to surprise you with, Brian, but okay. this is a call out to our community. Let's try to get Alan's Ever After YouTube channel up to 1,000 subs. Y'all are close. I want to say when I looked earlier, y'all were somewhere around 40 short. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds about right. That would be a good Christmas present for the wife and kids. Like if they could wake up and be like, hey, we have a thousand subs and we're one step closer to monetizing the channel. So I'm going to put this out there for the listeners. Get your friends, get your social groups, post it on your Twitter, whatever. Go to Alan's Ever After. If you listen to the show and you're not subscribed, go subscribe, please. That's something Brian and his family do. And they're entertaining. I mean, if nothing else, go look for any video that has mama in the thumbnail. <laughs> right. That alone is going to be entertainment. Like, even if you don't watch any of the other stuff, that's that's at least like a good eight, ten videos you can go watch yep. and enjoy. Go go watch those. But seriously, I think that would that would be a great Christmas present and just really set the channel up good for next year. So that's something I'm just putting out into the world and we're going to try to manifest it into happening. I know. Oh, I don't man, know how you feel about that. that. I, I, I love <laughs> the idea, obviously. Because I'll be honest, like I, I just crossed 15K last night while I was streaming, which, by the way, <laughs> we crossed 15. I was at 15,002. And then sometime during that 40 minutes, I went to 14,999. Wow. <laughs> So I was like, y'all, who did that? Right. So fortunately, I was still live streaming and a bunch of people went over it and I finished the night at like 15,004 or something, 15,005. But uh, yeah, so I'm over 15K now and I'm like, you know what? Let's get y'all up to a thousand so that channel can start being monetized for next year. I think that would be super cool. I think it would be fun for your wife because she puts a lot of effort into it. And we are doing Vlogmas also, so God help us. We're going to have a video, I think, almost every day. Oh, yeah. Y'all did every day through Christmas last year. Yeah, that that is the beating you would imagine that it is. But as I mentioned, my wife, I mean, everybody here loves Christmas. My wife and my daughter love Christmas at a whole other level. That's fair. That's right. They you you might love Christmas. They're infatuated with Christmas. Yeah. You might think you love Christmas. You you don't understand how much Letitia and Gabby Allen love Christmas. Uh okay. With with that out there, putting our people to work. Let's let's talk about something interesting here on the dinner table because I've had some variation of this question asked of me multiple times over the years and and i don't think i know your answer and i think this would be a good conversation for the listeners but what would you say is the toughest thing or what's been the toughest thing for you in gaming or the toughest thing you've encountered and it could be anything any subject any category just you know in gaming as a whole I think uh, since I started doing content, the toughest thing for me now is to remember to actually play things because I expect to enjoy them and not because I want to make some sort of a video about it. Oh, that's a good one. Because, you know, <laughs> once, you turn, once you turn it into a job, you just it, it gets hard to turn on the, ooh, I did such and such thing. It was really cool. And it's not just enjoying it anymore. It's, ooh, that make a great clip. <laughs> I should upload that or I should record that. I could I could see that because like sometimes I even catch myself where I'm like, should I be streaming 
or should I just be playing for myself? You know, and that that can be a, a hard one to delineate sometimes. Like, I know I could get more value out of doing this, but it's like, you know, there's a couple nights where I'll just fire up TFT and I'm like, but I kind of just want to play one or two quick games. I don't necessarily want to worry about like the camera angle and, you know, my lighting or I just want to fire it up. Hell, I might have just got out the shower and been in a robe. I don't want right. to like get dressed to be on camera. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to do my thing and then go to bed. You know. Or maybe you do like a Fred Sanford and turn on your smoking jacket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. I sure. So, I mean, I, I could see that. That is a real thing for content creators. You know, and, and I think, unfortunately, some people haven't figured out when it's best to do one or the other. And it leads them to burnout, you know, because everything becomes about the content and they don't really take care of stuff to enjoy it for themselves. And And that's hard, too, when you're trying to grow a channel and you're trying to get your initial views or get your watch time up or whatever, like you almost feel like you're letting yourself down by not pushing harder for that goal. But I tell people all the time, you got to take care of yourself before you can take care of other people. Cause it's going to show in your content. Hell the other night I was up till three, four in the morning because I had some audio issues I couldn't fix. And I had to re-record some stuff. Man, And I know I looked tired in that video. <laughs> like I know I did. And I'm like, I almost didn't post it. I was just like, that's ah, done. Let me just put it up, man. You know, but I know that wasn't my best work. I mean, I know a hundred percent that it wasn't, you know, for me, I, I think it's my, mine's a tough one because I got into the business side of the game industry when I was like 21, maybe I just turned 21. And I ran into, and we've talked about this on the show before. I ran into a lot of stuff, both because I was young and people expected me to be older from conversations we had, you know, and then they finally met me. And then also people were surprised that I was black. I was about to say, uh, we thought you'd be taller. Yeah, so I had both of those issues, right? And that's come up multiple times throughout. Now, now it's a little different that people are surprised I'm older, you know, and doing something. So it's like the other side of that. And, you know, we've talked about different ways of encountering stuff racially or whatever. And that makes it tough because I feel like I have to have another... I'm trying to think the best way to describe it. Like, I almost have to go through another set of mental checks when things don't go a certain way or I get a certain reaction to understand what it's based on. Right. Because it's like, okay, is this a thing that has to do with my age or is this a thing that has to do with my race? Or is this literally like you don't like the content or you don't like the thing I'm presenting? Right. Because that is a legit thing. Sometimes I just don't like what you're doing, but there's other times I'm kind of like, but you like what this person's doing and it's very similar to what I'm doing. So like, why is it you don't like my thing? And you have to like, I have to stop myself from turning it into an issue and just saying, okay, I just have to accept they don't like it and move on. You, know, you were talking of- about the age thing. I remember I was playing Overwatch one night and this kid who I'm going to guess he was nine or 10 years old says, you know, excuse me, sir. And it was, it was, as soon as anybody says, sir, you already feel 75 years old. <laughs> excuse me, sir. How old are you? And I felt like that scene in the water boy when Adam said, like, I'm 34 years old. <laughs> so I think I said, I think at that point I was 39 or 40 or something. 
My mama says alligators is always ornery because they can't get no toothbrush. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the kid, there's a pause. The kid, wow. Yeah, I've like, like you're turning to dust, yeah. right? Like you're like, I've never played a game with anybody that old before. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but that's I'll the just, thing. I'll take Majeritol and then I'll see if I get any kills here, youngin. <laughs> Did you see? I saw some. I had to share things somebody posted the other day. I said, this dude beat me so bad in Madden, I had to tell him I was 11 years old. I did see that. <laughs> I was like, dude, I have had those butt whoopings before where you ain't got any explanation. You're just like, I just got it handed to me. You know? I've had that butt whooping from a 10 or 11 year old. Because yeah, I mean, true, too. Were good. And, yeah, ain't like they got a job to go to. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think now, I don't know why this, I just realized this, but maybe what we're saying in a lot of cases is maybe different forms of gatekeeping or stereotyping have been the biggest issues that there's an expectation that a player, a person, a store owner, whatever has to fit a certain look style, race, age, whatever. And it's like, I don't give a damn. I just want you to be passionate about what you're doing, be entertaining or understanding and doing it. And make the community better. Like, I don't really care about anything else. I don't care if you're man, woman, transgender, non-gender, whatever. Like, as long as you are just a good person trying to make the community better, great. You know, I don't care if you're black, white, Hispanic. Like, I still talk to a couple of dudes down south that, like, they still encounter issues sometimes being a Hispanic business owner in Texas. And if there's a if, if there is something you would think we should be used to in Texas, yeah, it's got to be at least Mexican heritage people, right? You would think, but even they have issues, you, right? You and should, it's like, yeah, I mean, that, that's a lot of times the pressure is from within your own race. Like, where are you? Are you doing that nerdy thing over oh, there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's that definitely. I think that's slowly been broken down over the last five to ten years, but it definitely was a thing for a while. The key with the sure. Christmas theme, we'll feel like whether it's the herd be like, why do you want to be a dentist? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think that's it though. I mean, just the issues you encounter, you know, and stuff we talked about too, like understanding that, well, you got to get people watching certain types of content or watching your stuff and the people you watch. So it gets recommended to more of the things or whatever. And like that whole song and dance is a thing. But you know, still finding ways to have success despite all that, you know, and, and it, it, like I said, I, I don't even want to play it as just a race card or whatever. I'm more just pointing out as like, it's a thing that happened that, you know, had to be worked through. Yeah. And I'm thinking about it at some point and let me know, honestly, let us know on, on the Twitter account or whatever, but I'm considering making a series of TikToks kind of sharing some of these stories of just saying like, hey, here's some effed up stuff that happened to me in the game industry. Like, here's some crazy story I can tell that happened at a business function, you know, because I think there's a lot of those things that people just don't know about. Because I think we look and we say like, oh, we're gaming. Everybody wants to have a good time. We're always looking for more players and whatever. And it's like, ah, most of us are. (laughs) Like most of us are. But uh, yeah, there's some things for sure. There's some effed effed up stories out there. But all right, Brian, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social media when you're not doing Color Magic? Definitely. Again, I want to make sure uh, we shout out our YouTube channel, Alan's Ever After, since uh, Dequan just gave us a 
little push there. Uh, I am DL Caesar on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can find me everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. And yeah, just putting up lots of fun stuff leading up to the holidays. And I've started my Y series of videos, if you want to check those out on YouTube, of just like explaining things in gaming and in magic that uh, apparently people don't hate me for because I thought they were not going to like those as I'm being kind of blunt in some of them and it's different than the rest of my content, but people seem to like it. But as always, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to take care of yourself with the COVID and now the flu out there. Go get your flu shots and whatnot. And remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate. Other patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 